Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Alex McFarland. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, Hebrews 13, verse 8, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hi, Alex McFarland, and welcome to this special edition of Truth and Liberty Live. We've got a great show today, and in just a moment, I'll introduce our very special guest, historian, author, educator, Christian leader, Tony Cook, but I want to welcome you. And as I cue up the show with this verse, Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I want to ask you the question, if God doesn't change, and if Jesus is indeed the friend who sticks closer than a brother, Hebrews 13, 5 also says that he will never leave us or forsake us, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Does that mean that God can still do miracles in our world today? Can God do miracles in your life? Could God even, as daunting as that might, might seem, could God do a miracle in the United States of America today? We're going to talk about that, and I'm so glad that we've got two things. One, our guest, Tony Cook, he's the author of a book called Miracles and the Supernatural in Church History. It's just become one of the most favorite books I've gotten in the last few years. But also I'm excited because we're going to take your phone calls. And I want you to think about your Bible question, whether or not it's what we're talking about. But in a few moments, Dr. Cook and I will open up the phone lines and we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you about your questions. We want to pray with you if you have prayer needs. But the number, if you want to be a part of Truth and Liberty tonight, it's 719 719-619-2341. So much more that we can share with you that God is doing through Truth and Liberty. But I want to welcome my very special colleague and friend and our guest tonight, Dr. Tony Cook. Thank you so much, Tony, for being on Truth and Liberty. Thank you. It's a great privilege, and, and it's always fun to visit with you. You're a great friend. Well, you're a, you're a great friend, and, and you and I, we met through Karis Bible College and Andrew Womack, and uh, I just, I knew I liked you from the first day you and I ever talked, and uh, appreciate you. I want you to bring us up to speed on your ministries and what all God is doing through your life and, and work these days, Tony. Uh, Alex, thank you. My wife and I uh, had uh, 18 and a half years on staff at Rama Bible Training Center, working with the Hagen family. And 21 years ago, we stepped into full-time traveling ministry. Uh, we have preached in 47 states, 31 countries, and uh, written 15 books that are in about a dozen languages. And our call is to strengthen churches 
and leaders. Jesus said he would build his church and uh, we're privileged to uh, be a part of that church and 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 co-laborers not only with the Lord but with great brothers like you and brother Andrew and and so many of the great ministers and and just laborers that we have the privilege of knowing. Amen. You know that Matthew 16:18 that you mentioned where Christ said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. How do we understand that for our day? Because, Tony, I mean, uh, I was just on a show earlier today, and someone called in to really oppose what the Bible says about morals and human Mm -hmm. sexuality, and somebody for the LGBTQ trans movement called in to really kind of debate what the Bible says about that. And then I just read a statistic yesterday about uh, uh, a statistic about plummeting church attendance since COVID. And uh, we know there are challenges, but when the Lord promised that he would build his church and, and nothing could really obstruct ultimately the forward march of Jesus and the body of Christ, what, what does that mean for us today when we really do seem to see a lot of obstacles? Alex used a great word just a second ago. You used the word ultimately. And uh, there have always been ebbs and flows, uh, even under Jesus' ministry uh, in John chapter 6, he said some things that were challenging, uh, that were difficult to hear. And, uh, and the Bible says that so many people were leaving Jesus, departing from him, uh, no longer following him, no longer uh, trusting him. And Jesus turned to the twelve and said, do you want to leave also? And so anytime that we get statistics that say, well, less people are coming to church, uh, that's not the first time that there have been uh, spiritual recessions uh, in the Mm -hmm. land. Uh, God has always had a remnant. And and we want to see, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And and, I mean, ever since, you know, God began dealing with people all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, God said, behold, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life and uh, the responsibility that we have, Alex, uh, you and myself and thousands of others in the earth today is to communicate the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. There were people who rejected it from Jesus' own lips, and so there will always be people who will reject the message of truth, but, uh, but that does not change God's heart. Uh, God is not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. And the fact that there are enemies of the truth today, not that we look at them as enemies, we look at them as people that need God's love and God's help. Uh, but Amen. the Apostle Paul, the individual who wrote, you know, so much of the New Testament, at one time he was doing everything he could to destroy the 
Christian church and the Christian message. But you know what? He had a supernatural encounter with God, and he went from being the greatest enemy of the church to being the church's greatest earthly advocate and proponent. And you know, Amen. Brother Alex, there may be many people today who are hostile toward the Christian faith. They couldn't be any more hostile than Paul was, Saul of Tarsus, and yet God was able to change them. Why don't we pray and believe God uh, for such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that um, you know, many people who have been disinterested will begin to have a hunger, and even those who had adversarial and hostile thoughts, uh, that their hearts would be softened and changed through an encounter with the living God. Amen. Tony, you know, I pray for that. I, I think today there are some Saul of Tarsus's out there ready mm -hmm. to be born again and turned into evangelists like the Apostle Paul, because you're right. I mean, he was persecuting the church. He really ordered the, the execution of Stephen. But, you know, he got saved. And I, I want to ask you a question about personal victory and triumph here in a minute, but I was thinking about the obstacles that the church, we think we face some very daunting obstacles, but in Acts chapter 18, Paul had been through riots, he had been falsely accused, taken before judges, but in Acts 18, 9 and 10, Paul was uh, asleep and he had a vision. And the, Jesus said to Paul, be not afraid, but speak, do not hold your peace, for I am with you, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Tony, do you still feel, um, even though maybe sometimes people fly under the radar, and they should be vocal, and but they're silent, does God still, in America, let's talk about our own nation, does God still have, quote, much people in this city? He does. And, you know, that reminds me of Abraham and his prayer for Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and, and Abraham interceded and prayed and said, God, if there be 50 people, if there be, I don't remember the progression of numbers down to five, I think it was. Um, but God, I used that term remnant before. And, and the reason I believe that's very important, it, it kind of goes both ways. Uh, there are people who are nominal Christians, Christians in name only. Uh, they may think they're a Christian. They may say, I'm a church member. They may mentally and intellectually uh, believe in God, believe in Jesus, but they're not actively uh, powerfully relating to him, yielding to his lordship, influenced by the Holy Spirit, um, you know, vibrant witnesses for God and that type of thing. But, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, Alex, uh, there are people who are nominal non-Christians. I think of the, uh, you mentioned Acts 18, in the next chapter in Acts 19, uh, Paul, his, his ministry in Ephesus had created such a revival that an entire economic industry, uh, that of idol making, you know, the, the silversmiths who, who made yeah. the shrines of the uh, false goddess Artemis, uh, Paul, his influence in Ephesus was 
such that so many people have become born again Christians that they quit the idolatry and they quit buying these little false gods, goddesses that they were making. And the, the metal workers uh, started a riot and, and they stirred up the whole city and they filled that great theater in ancient Ephesus. I've been there, seats 24 to 25,000 people. And there were people, My. they got the people whipped into a frenzy saying, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. But when we read that carefully, it goes on to say, you know, that many of the people didn't even know why they were there. They were just yeah. caught up with the crowd. And how many people are there today? You know, we we lament nominal Christians uh, and, and because of their lack of foundation and stability, they could be swayed to believe a lot of false things. But how many non nominal non-Christians are there? Like the crowd in Ephesus, they're there, they might be shouting something anti-Christian or pro-pagan, but in reality, they don't even know why they're there. And those are people, especially, that could be influenced with the gospel. You know, Tony, you bring up a great point because people have a spiritual hunger. I mean, now there are people that have Jesus. There are people that need Jesus. But Tony, I believe that all human beings think about supernatural things. Now, it's interesting you mentioned in Acts 19 about how the people in Ephesus, they, they worshiped uh, at the temple of Diana or the goddess Artemis. And when they were trying to make this accusation against Paul, they mentioned that she, quote, in verse 35, fell down from Jupiter. Now, part of the reason I bring that up is nowadays, and I, I got a call about this yesterday, people are so enamored with UFOs. Now, mm -hmm. I happen to believe that UFOs are demonic. I really do, Tony. I, I don't think there are other U, uh, galaxies where there, there is human life. Uh, the Bible, the only planet that we know anything about having life is planet Earth. And, you know, the mm -hmm. Bible talks about in the last days a strong delusion that yeah. would uh, deceive people. Um, just as people in old times, they thought Diana fell down from Jupiter and they worshiped this false goddess. And nowadays people are trying to communicate with some avatar or some spirit or some, you know, extraterrestrial. Tony, doesn't that speak to the, uh, I, I guess I would say, incurable thirst for the supernatural that, that humans have? I really believe it does, Alex. Uh, Augustine, centuries ago, uh, that great bishop from Northern Africa, made the statement, the heart of man is restless, O God, until it finds its rest in thee. There is a, as some people have said, there's a God-shaped hole or a God-shaped vacuum on the inside of every human being. Uh, there's a place that when God created us, we were created with a capacity for a supernatural relationship with a supernatural God. Uh, he alone can fill that void. And people, uh, as you know, Alex, you do so much great work in apologetics and all of the different isms and beliefs and the, the things that people try to pursue truth through. And, um, you know, that's one of the accusations.
temptation sometimes against the Christian faith is, well, you all think you're the only ones that are right. Well, the, the fact of the matter is Jesus said, he, he made an exclusive claim. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And Peter preaching said, there is no other name, speaking of Jesus, there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and about to bear the sin of the world on the cross, he said, Father, if there is any other way, if there's any possibility, any other way, let this cup of suffering pass from me. And so if I'm going to take Jesus at his word, if I'm going to take the Bible at his word, I have to believe that Jesus is the answer. He's not an answer. He's not an option. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And yet, uh, when people's eyes are blinded to the reality of him, then they'll go after all kinds of counterfeit, uh, deceptive, you know, all forms of spiritualism and the occult and um, all just you name it, people will go after it. But Jesus is the only one who will ever fully satisfy that need. We were created with the capacity to have a supernatural relationship with the supernatural God. And that's the God and Amen. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Truth and Liberty. Alex McFarland here and our very special guest, author and historian, Christian leader, Tony Cook. By the way, folks, listen to this. If you need prayer, uh, the number and no strings attached. We just want to help you and encourage you. If you want to make sure that you're saved, if you want to know that you are born again and whenever you leave this world, you're ready to meet God. If you need peace with God, here's a number you can call 719 635-1111. Now, this is not for questions. I'm going to give that number in just a minute. But if you need spiritual help, you, you just want to talk to somebody from an open Bible with God's Word, we're going to tell you what God's solution is to your spiritual need. That number for prayer, for encouragement, for spiritual help, it's 719 635 1111. And I do want to say a big thanks to everybody that's a partner with Truth and Liberty. Uh, the website for Truth and Liberty, it's truthandliberty.net. But if you would be so kind as to go to the page truthandliberty.net slash donate, your gift, if you would commit to give at least $5 a month and, and invest and stand with us. Folks, we're calling people to the truth of God's word. We're inspiring and equipping people to stand for truth. Do you know what, Tony? I just was talking yesterday with a dear friend down in Texas, and because we're always saying, get involved, be a citizen. This Christian man who was a businessman ran for a judgeship. He's not an attorney, but he, he became a judge in a Texas county. He just started in the spring of this year, and he's a Christian man, and he's going to, to adjudicate mm -hmm. things honestly and righteously, and that's 
getting involved. Truth and liberty is inspiring and mobilizing people to stand for God and country, and we need your help. And so I would ask you to consider being a supporter, a regular partner. You can go to truthandliberty.net slash donate. And then in just a couple of minutes, well, in a few minutes, we're going to take questions after our first break. And the number, and get in the queue if you've got a Bible question or a question about what we're talking about, that number for questions is 719-619-2341, 719-619-2341. And Tony Cook and I would love to hear your question. So, Tony, I, I want to um, go and talk about the fact that God doesn't change. And, and you and I both, I think one of the reasons you and I became friends so quickly, we love church history, and I love revival history. I love to read these stories of when God shows up and whole communities got saved, and uh, they busted up the stills, and the bootleggers went out of business. And I mean, throughout history, when the Spirit of the Lord really moves, it is very transformative. But here's my question. Could that happen again? I mean, does it happen again? Does God still miraculously turn cultures from darkness back to light? Can, Tony, dare we believe that God could send another great awakening? I think we not only should dare, I think we must. Um, the Bible says the path of the righteous is like that of the morning sun. It grows brighter and brighter until the full day. And, you know, many times people act very surprised when they see moral societal conditions deteriorating in, in many regards. And they, uh, you know, they get a hold the fort mentality. Uh, we just need to hold on till Jesus comes. Um, mm. But the church was always called to be proactive, not defensive and reactive, uh, defensive in a cowering, uh, fearful type of sense. And, you know, the way the church was first born in the early centuries, it was not a social and cultural climate that was conducive to, number one, monotheism, uh, number two, uh, the belief that, uh, you know, a, a Jewish individual had died for the sins of the world and that um, all of the false idols uh, were no longer to be reckoned with. And many of the early Christians paid with their life because they believe so strongly in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and its ramifications in not only individual lives, but the lives of communities. You know, we don't have to go back all that far in church history to see entire communities that were transformed by revivals. Uh, I was just recently in New York State and went to a an old uh, Presbyterian church that was built in 1818, and it was a church that Charles Finney had preached in. It was very oh, wow. close, very close to the little town or city today of Rome, New York, and Finney's revivals during that time. 
time, uh, transformed entire communities. Uh, number one, the gospel was preached, and that's imperative. You know, I love the name of your, your show, Truth and Liberty. Uh, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And, you know, honestly, Alex, I think with all the complete confusion that exists in so many people's minds in, in our world today, people are looking for something concrete and tangible. And the powerful thing about Finney's revivals is, and especially in the Northeast, is that they didn't simply affect one portion of society. In other words, it wasn't just for the lower class or the middle class or the upper class. It reached all strata, socioeconomic strata of society. The poorest of the poor were getting saved, but the corporate executives and the judges and the doctors and the lawyers were getting saved. And, um, and, and I believe, you know, that has happened time and time again through history. And we are, we are ripe for another outpouring of the spirit of God and a, and a great Amen. uprising of bold and fearless preachers uh, who will not only communicate truth, but, but also speak the truth in love. Our message doesn't Amen. need to be a harsh condemning. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. He brought mercy. He brought compassion to people. Tony, in Proverbs 14:34, it says, Righteousness exalts a nation, yeah. but sin is a reproach to any people. What mm -hmm. does that mean? Do you see that in our nation today, in America, righteousness that lifts up a people, sin that will debase and destroy a people? Are, are, we, are we seeing the fruits of of unrighteousness in our nation today? I think we very much are. You know, when you study the Word of God and you see, uh, I know that we're not Israel. Israel was Israel, and, uh, sure. you know, but we are a country, and uh, countries often rise or fall, you know, based on the moral standards. Um, I know that we don't wow. live by the Ten Commandments in order to be saved, but when we understand the Ten Commandments are moral statutes from God, you know, I want my neighbor to believe that he probably shouldn't steal or he probably shouldn't kill me, you know, things like Amen. that. Just the simplistic uh, uh, standards of God. Um, Many times Christians say, well, you know, we're not under the law. Well, we're not under the law in terms of a means of salvation. But Paul says the law is good. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, God's standards, um, uh, when, when a country embraces morality, when a country believes that there are moral absolutes, uh, that country is simply going to be far more wholesome than a country that disregards the moral standards that are clearly established in the Bible. Amen. Well, we've got a brief break, folks. Our very special guest, Tony Cook. Tony, what is your website? Where can people find you online? Thank you, Alex. Our website is just my name, Tony Cook, T-O-N-Y, 
C-O-O-K-E. There's an E on the end of cook, TonyCook.org. We've got a ton of resources we'd love for people to be able to access. Now, where can people find the books you've written? They're all on our website. Uh, I have 15 books, and we have a bookstore on the website. And in addition to all kinds of free resources, we also have a bookstore uh, where people can acquire our, our different books and see what they are. Okay, thank you. Well, I'm sorry, we had a technical difficulty and um, we lost Alex. I thought I had been frozen out, but I guess it's him. So uh, we do have that website, TonyCook.org, T-O-N-Y-C-O-O-K-E.org. And we would love it if you drop by and visit. There's tons of articles. Check us out. God bless. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. You were created with a purpose, written in the heart of God, long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So go to Truth Liberty and become a member today. Hello, this is Tony Cook, and I have just experienced a transition. I came onto this program as a guest, and I have just become the temporary host due to a technical difficulty. And whenever Alex gets back on, we will welcome him with open arms. But in the meantime, since Alex was talking about the influence of God within a nation, uh, we wanna look at um, some things. Uh, I wanna share a little bit from my personal story. I was raised in a mainline traditional denomination. Uh, it was a, a good church and wonderful people. It was, to me, it seemed very formal and ritualistic and that type of thing. And for whatever reason, I never understood that, uh, that the faith, uh, what the Bible teaches uh, is supposed to be uh, deeply meaningful in the core of our being. 
And for me, it was somewhat ritualistic. It was somewhat formalistic. It probably applied more on Sunday morning than the rest of the week. And then come the weekend, oh yeah, it's Sunday morning. We need to think about God again. And um, uh, I, I'm thankful because what I received in that church was a, a good moral foundation. I was taught the Ten Commandments. I was taught taught the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I was taught the Beatitudes. Uh, I learned the Apostles' Creed, you know, some of the really foundational elements. But uh, when I was 14 years old, and then later when I was 18 years old, I had a couple of different encounters with God, and it all came through the truth of the Bible and the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And um, those were transformative to me. Uh, I, I appreciate everything I learned in my initial church, uh, but Christianity was not extremely personal to me. It was moral, and, and there is certainly a moral element to what the Bible brings there. It was a uh, intellectual because there is there is knowledge, there is information in the Bible uh, that is just tremendously powerful, and and it was ethical. So to me, the Christian faith during that time was moral, ethical, intellectual. But at these experiences I had uh, when I was fourteen and eighteen, all of a sudden, all of that. Uh, didn't get left behind, but it began to take on a profoundly personal application. And that is something that I want to encourage every listener, uh, no matter what you have experienced or have not experienced, I just want you to know that God's love for you is tangible. It is real. Uh, the Bible says, let us taste and see that the Lord is good. And so if what you've had in your past is more of an intellectual assent to perhaps the morals that are taught in the Bible, well, that's good, but God wants you to go beyond that and have a personal, meaningful relationship with him. And, and the person of the Holy Spirit is the one who really delivers that. And it always begins with uh, just accepting God's love in the person of Jesus Christ and accepting the fact that he died for you. He, he loved you so much that he went to the cross and then uh, he didn't stay dead. He, he rose from the dead. And, and see, Christianity is a miraculous, supernatural faith uh, from the get-go. Uh, God supernaturally created the universe. Jesus supernaturally came into this earth through the virgin birth. Uh, Jesus lived supernaturally by the power of God. He never sinned. He died a death that no one else had ever died. His death was completely physical, but he also died bearing the sins of the whole world. And then his resurrection was supernatural. And Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God. And then to top it all off, Jesus ascended into heaven and the church was born when the Holy Spirit was supernaturally poured out um, upon the early church. 
And Alex opened this session today with Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in Matthew, Okay, thank you so much. Alex, can you hear me? I can, Tony. Thank you for being with us. And uh, we had a little technical glitch here on the East Coast, but I'm glad to be back on with you, brother. I'm glad to be back on, too. I, I shifted from being the guest to the temporary host. A amen. And uh, what a blessing. And uh, I appreciate the crew there at uh, AWMI and Karis helping us. And uh, I do want to give that number if anybody wants to call in with a question. It is 719-619-2341. Uh, you know, Tony, we were in the middle of pulling out to a break when uh, we lost one of the computers here on the East Coast. But I was listening to you when I was on hold. And, you know, like you were saying before the break, I still believe in a God who can intervene in the affairs of man. We call that a miracle. But I think we've got to believe God for miracles again in our day, don't you? Very much. And people have to be willing to be used by God because sometimes, you know, God's uh, many, many times God will use someone's obedience or God will use someone's uh, acting in love to channel that miracle through one of his children in the earth. The Bible says that we are the body of Christ. And so, you know, if we take that the way I believe it's meant, uh, we are God's hands, we are God's feet, we are God's mouthpiece. And God can certainly do things above us, beyond us. He could even do things in spite of us. But uh, God, I think, really wants to do things through his people. When we pray for one another, uh, when we have compassion and mercy and, and allow God to use us to, uh, Jesus said he put us in this earth as light. And so, uh, Alex, I think that's a perfectly made point. Exactly. Well, let's talk about victory and power. And for lack of a better word, Tony, let's call it the consistent Christian life, because mm -hmm. I, I talk to a lot of believers, and I know they love the Lord, and I, I, I don't dispute that, but they live kind of an on-again, off-again Christian experience. Uh, there's good days. There's not so good days. I believe what Jesus intends for Christians is victory consistently and making mm -hmm. a difference. And uh, what what are some of the keys, Tony, to the victorious Christian life that seems to elude many believers? Jesus made a statement in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, there is a thief who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Alex, we've been talking a lot about the supernatural presence of God and God being a supernatural God and all that's very true. But there are other supernatural entities in this earth. And I'm not saying that we should be obsessed with things or, you know, focused on the devil or demons or evil or sin or whatever. But, but we do live in a world that has somewhat of a hostile spiritual atmosphere that will circumstances and just 
you know, we could get into physics with the law of entropy, how things, you know, disintegrate and wind down over time and, and things like that. And, um, you know, God's word is an everlasting foundation. And where we might have in our natural selves, we might have certain deficiencies, flaws, uh, inconsistencies, things of that nature. Uh, God is absolutely consistent. Uh, James said, with him there is no variableness, not even a shade or a shadow of turning. So if I'm living life trusting in my own self, my own flesh, my own moods, I, I may be all over the place. Uh, but if I'm living on the rock, the solid rock of Jesus Christ, his word that doesn't change, his spirit that doesn't leak power and, you know, our cell phones and our devices and everything, you know, we have to recharge them all the time because, you know, the battery life is very short. And um, if we're living in our own strength, you know, we're going to get drained. But if, if we can learn to live by the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, then we're going to have an everlasting strength in our life. And I don't mean that to sound so, uh, you know, high and lofty that we never need rest or whatever, because we have bodies that we need to take care of. But uh, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And Amen. so if we can learn to tap into the supernatural power of God that he has available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, we can literally learn to live in the power of the resurrected Christ. You know, the resurrection Amen. is not just a historical fact. It's not just a future promise. The, the, there's a resurrection life for the believer to walk in today. Sometimes we just call it the grace of God. Uh, but I sure wouldn't want to be in this world today living totally based on my own limited uh, knowledge and strength and wisdom. Uh, I believe that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I believe for you, listener, that uh, that as a born-again child of God, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And you can learn to yield to him, and and, and you can stay, say with the Apostle Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in all these Amen. things, I am more than a conqueror. Amen. And, and you know, Romans 12, 2, and, and we'll unpack this. I'm going to get to a, a few calls. But Paul writes about renewing your mind. And Tony, I think keeping that uh, positive outlook, staying strong, and, you know, realizing the battle is the Lord's, our strength is of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It it comes from viewing life uh, from a, a scriptural perspective. And I think one of the, the differences between the, the stable, steady, strong, consistently victorious Christian and the Christian that is subject to the whims of, you know, the stress of the day, every which way the wind blows— uh, it's 
a big part of that is the difference of viewing your life from a biblical perspective, viewing your life from the hopelessness and and really fears of going it in your own strength. We're going to circle back to that thought, but we've got a call. We've got Linda in South Carolina. Linda, thanks for holding. Welcome to this very special edition of Truth and Liberty. You're on. Thank you for taking my call. This is not really on what you've just recently been talking about, but it's more Bible history, I guess. Since um, we know that the earth was um, totally destroyed of all human life and animal life, too, um, in the flood, and all that were saved was Noah and his family. So where did all the ethnicities come from that we have today? Were they all represented there? God bless you. That's a great question. Tony, I've I've got a thought on this, but I want to uh, – you want to go first or you want me to weigh in on this first? No, I have a thought, and my thought is that, Alex, you should answer that. <laughs> well, Linda, this is a great question, and l- let me just say this. For one thing, in Acts 17, when the Apostle Paul was at uh, Mars Hill in the Areopagus, and folks, please listen to this. This is key. This is one more example of how the Word of God has truth that people at that period of history didn't even know. In Acts 17.26, now Paul is reaching some pagan philosophers at Mars Hill. He says that God has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times of their habitation. Now, here's the thing. Of one blood, there, there are not races plural. There's one race, the human race. Now, there are multiple ethnicities, and there are different amounts of melanin. But here's the thing. On Noah's Ark, God took the pairs of animals two by two. Now, for instance, let's talk about the canine phyla, because the classification scientifically of different animal groups, phyla, P-H-Y-L-A. Well, there are uh, 126 breeds of dog. And yet, within a single male-female pair, there was enough genetic potentiality for everything from the the Mastiff and the Great Dane to the Teacup Chihuahua. It's amazing. And within Adam and Eve, two human beings, uh, XY and XX chromosome, uh, I read, Tony, in one book that there were so many billions of genetic potentials. In other words, you've got stature, tall, short, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, brown-eyed, dark-complected, straight hair, uh, curly hair. And so to uh, Linda's question, where did all the ethnicities come from? You've got, you know, European, Caucasian-looking people. You've got Asian, Latina. In uh, Noah and his sons and their wives— There was enough genetic potentiality that here we are, and now the earth has been repopulated many times over. Uh, You've got all these complexions, all these statures, and it's a beautiful thing. Tony, I'm going to say this, and I want want you to weigh in. Very often as I travel, and it's been my privilege all over the USA to be in so many places, 
But then I travel internationally to Africa, the Sudan, South America, the Middle East. The beautiful tapestry that is the human race, made in God's image, people Christ loves, people for whom he died. The the tapestry of all the ethnicities, it is genuinely beautiful, isn't it, Tony? You know, it is. And Alex, I'm sure you've experienced this too, being in worship services in particular in all these different, I've been in 31 nations preaching the gospel, and whether it is Africa, whether it is Asia, Australia, Europe, wherever, uh, the Spirit of God is the same. Um, you know, complexions may be different and styles of music may be different, but the, the Spirit of God who makes us new creatures and, and I've often thought about this, Alex, in some of these countries to think about the description in heaven that uh, around the throne of God, there will be people of every nation, every kindred, every tribe and every tongue. And I love what you said when you said there's one race and that's the human race. And we're all equally loved, equally valuable, equally precious, and we were all equally purchased. Jesus shed his blood for all of us, uh, regardless of our ethnicity. And Alex, I love that delineation that you made. Thank you. Alex, did we lose you again? I'm here. I don't know if you can. Can you hear me, Tony? I can now. Thank you. Amen. Uh, and folks, uh, the number is 719-619-2341. 719-619-2341. We've got another question. We're going to go to my home state of North Carolina, Jennifer in North Carolina. Jennifer, thanks for holding. Welcome to the program. Well, hi. Thanks for having me. I just have a real quick observation. Personally, what Tony said about God being supernatural just really touched me. In conversations that turn towards the supernatural, I always just kind of go quiet. But now I can throw my two cents in about God being supernatural. So I, I really appreciate that. But my question is just kind of really simple. It's just you quote scripture out of Old Testament and New Testament. Which is your favorite book of the Bible? And did it change since you were a new Christian? Wow, oh, that's a great, goodness. great question. Um, you know, for me, and, and Tony, I want to hear yours too. Uh, I guess if I had to point one, the book that really gave me so much assurance about my salvation would be the book of Romans. I do love the book of Romans. Uh, Billy Graham once said that it was the declaration and constitution of the Christian faith. Uh, I really also do love the book of Colossians. Now, Colossians is kind of short, just four chapters, but I mean, Colossians is a powerhouse about Jesus, the Son of God. But uh, Tony, how about you, brother? Do you have a favorite book of the oh, Bible, and, or yeah. maybe you've got several over the years? 
that that is a tough question that's like having several children and somebody comes up and says which one of your children is your favorite well i love them all um but when it comes to books of the bible uh again we could talk i, I could talk about how what i love about so many different books but just to keep this answer very simple, uh, one book that my heart is always warmed by is the book of Philippians. And uh, Paul was writing to a congregation that he dearly, deeply loved. And you see the tenderness of God in that book. And the others are all phenomenal, like what uh, Alex just said about Romans and Colossians and so many of the letters that Paul wrote, um, you know, he was dealing with problems like the Corinthians and the Galatians. And, and so those books are instructive, but to me, they're not as heartwarming. So I would say the book of Philippians, and then I'd also have to say the gospel of John uh, because of how powerfully and dynamically Jesus is presented. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I, those towering words are so powerful. Uh, Jennifer, are you still there? Are you still on, Jennifer? Yes, yes, I am. Do you have a favorite book of the Bible? Well, it used to be Psalms and Proverbs. That's why I was kind of wondering, because now it's kind of switched around to John. I just heard you speak on First Peter or Second Peter not long ago, and that was, I never really spent any time in Peter, so now I like that. I know, I know. And you know what? I almost mentioned the book of Proverbs, which is God's book of wisdom. I love uh, Proverbs. I really do. But thank you for your call. And, you know, folks, we often say this. If you read three chapters a day and five on Sunday, you'll read the Bible through in a year. And um, I love, Tony, I skip around. I read Old. I read New Testament. Uh, Angie and I, a couple of times in our marriage, we have gone through and read the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, in its entirety. Uh, but, you know, folks, thanks. three chapters a day, five on Sunday, it won't take you 20 minutes a day, you'll read the Word of God in a year. Um, you know, Tony, I know you're an expert on revival and Great Awakenings. When the Spirit of the Lord truly moves, and there is a revival that is just transformative in the culture, um, isn't there pretty much always like a renewed... Uh, love for the, the Word of God? And, and in a true revival, isn't there a renewed emphasis on the Scripture? Alex, if there, if there was a revival that did not have that, it would not be considered a healthy revival. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, in the early days of, of American history, before we were a nation, uh, when we were simply colonies, uh, they had the great awakenings in America. George Whitfield was a part. And um, Jonathan Edwards wrote a document, a pamphlet called, um, what was it? Um, True Marks of a Genuine Work of God. And okay. one of the five traits he said was 
uh, a, a renewed emphasis on scripture. Uh, anything that God does, he's going to do in conjunction with his word. The spirit and the word are not in contradiction with each other. They are complementary to each other. And so the word, you know, we can have emotion, we can have excitement, but ultimately the word of God is what gives us a solid foundation and brings us not only into the basics, the milk of the word, but then brings us into maturity, uh, the meat of the word. So you're absolutely right. Mm. Folks, the number, hey, by the way, if you need prayer, and I just believe there are probably people out there and you need to make sure that you're really saved and you know about God. The question is, do you personally know Jesus? If you were to die, are you ready to meet God? And God loves you and God wants you to be ready and salvation is available like the Bible says, to whosoever will may come. And so if you're watching, you're listening to Tony and myself and these wonderful callers, and you're, you're thinking, you know, I just, I want to make sure that Jesus Christ is real in my life, then I want you to call this number, 719-635-1111. Super easy. And again, no strings attached. We just want to help you and from God's Word show you what the Lord says about how you can know him. If you need spiritual help, that number, 719-635-1111. And I want to remind you on the website, truthandliberty.net, please tell your friends, spread the word. There are a lot of um, uh, articles that Richard Harris has written, Andrew, myself. <clears throat> Tony, I got an email from Truth and Liberty the other day. And I give God the glory. But uh, a few days ago, I got an email from truthandliberty.net. And I'm reading this article about God and patriotism. And I said, this is really, I like this. This is good. And then I thought, wait a minute, this is familiar. And I scrolled to the bottom, and it was an article that I had written some months ago. Uh -huh. And kind of kind of surreal to get an email from yourself, you know? Right, but, yeah. Um, folks, here's what you can do. You can go to truthandliberty.net slash subscribe. And we just want to help you and equip you. And good content will inspire and equip you. In other words, it's truth. It is God's truth. And Tony, um, I've got a, a quote here that I wanted to share. You know, uh, back, I got a, a book from the 19th century. We don't talk this way these, these days, but let's talk about the church triumphant, but it also talked about the church militant, as mm -hmm. in we go forth to claim this world for Jesus. We're not shrinking back. We're not milk toast. We're victorious. We know our God, and we know that his word is truth. Well, folks, we've got a brief break. Now, don't go away. We're going to come back. More calls and questions, 719-619-2341. We're back after this. This is a godly nation. It was founded upon godly principles. God is calling us to rebuild His house so that He can manifest His glory in the midst of a corrupt and pagan world. I would argue that America has been more prosperous, more successful than any other nation because we've done more in reading and applying the Bible. It is the history for Christians to speak out and to make a difference in this nation. 
Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. The moment you believe your healing is done and it's just a matter of time until whatever the symptoms are, are gone. You observe what Jesus did and try in your mind and say, I'm making a judgment that Jesus paid the price for me. We focus on what the doctors can do for us more than what God can do for us. Say, God is my healer, not the doctor. Well, welcome back to this uh, final session of Truth and Liberty, and we are enjoying the uh, unpredictability of technology. Uh, Alex, our host, is uh, having some technical equipment problems and that type of thing, and so uh, that just happened a couple seconds before we jump back on the air, and uh, they'll have him back on by telephone in a minute or something, yeah. but uh, so appreciate Alex and the great job he does, but uh, sometimes we have to work around some of the technical glitches. Alex, are you back with us yet? I'm with you, Tony. And so, Okay, thank uh, you. Welcome I, back. Yeah, I got to be on record and say, Tony, what a blessing it is. Uh, yeah, there is, I don't know if it's the storms or whatever, but I'm on the East Coast, and we are having a little bit of technical issues, and yet my heart is at ease for two reasons, Tony. One, uh, the Lord Jesus has it all in control, but you are doing such a good job as, uh, you know, hanging in there with us as host. And folks, um, the number is 719-619-2341. We'd love to have your Bible questions. You know, Tony, before the break, uh, I was mentioning that in a, a book from the 1800s, I read about the church triumphant, and then the church militant. Now, a, a song, I, I bet I haven't heard it sung in church in 30 years, Onward Christian Soldiers. Right. Uh, March, you remember that hymn? Onward well, I Christian sang it Soldiers. as a kid, yeah. Marching as to war. Is it appropriate ever to talk about the church in terms of battle, and soldiers and fighting a fight? Well, the apostle Paul did it. You know, Paul did it when we told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And Paul did say the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, natural weapons, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, taking thoughts captive, and then the Apostle Paul told uh, the Ephesian church to put on the whole armor of God, including the idea of the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, and, and those were all their concepts of warfare. Uh, what we don't want to do is be exclusively militant-oriented, because the soldier is one metaphor, but the Bible also talks about 
being a child of God, a servant of God, in the context of being a farmer, and in the context of being an athlete. And so you've got all these different metaphors in the Bible that describe different components. And then you also have all the compassion oriented, like, you know, Paul said that uh, to one church, I, I was uh, gentle towards you as a nursing mother would cherish her, her infant child. And so when you put all those together, you see all the dimensions of what it means to be a child of God. Part of it's like warfare. Part of it's like an athletic contest. Part of it's like being a farmer. Part of it's, you know, being a brother, a sister. And so there's so many, but but definitely, Alex, uh, part of that is put on the full armor of God. Amen. Amen. And you you know, the, the agricultural metaphors uh, I relate to those. I grew up on a farm, Tony, but in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9, Paul says this, that he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that plants anything or he that waters, but God gives the increase. Uh, the Bible is clear that the, the seed is the gospel and we're to mm -hmm. sow that seed. And I mean, whether it's a metaphor of, like you said, athletics or spiritual warfare or agriculture, um, God is the, the Lord of the harvest. He gives the increase, but we're to be his workers, his soldiers, his runners, his messengers. Um, we're to be involved, aren't we? Yes, very much. And, and, and all these metaphors that are so beautiful, um, you know, Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Um, the military metaphor, he's the captain of the Lord's host. Um, you know, Jesus is coming back. The, the uh, picture in the book of Revelation is that Jesus is coming back. And one of the ways he was seen is having this uh, double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. And, and so any of these that we neglect, we miss seeing a facet of this wonderful overall plan of God. Amen. Well, we're going to go to Cynthia in Colorado Springs. And by the way, folks, the number is 719-619-2341. Cynthia, thanks for holding. Now, am I correct that you're a, a student at Karis Bible College? I am proud to be that, sir. Yes, I am. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, uh, are you first, second, or third year? I'm just getting ready to start second year. And how do you like it so far? Oh, I I am so blessed to just be under the Word of God so much. And, and yeah, I know y'all fire hosed me, but it was wonderful. And God really um, put a fire in my heart to get involved in politics and government and, and run for school board. And this last couple of weeks, wow. I've been, or the last couple of days, I should say, I've been um, meditating on Isaiah 9-6. And it starts out, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And I've been kind of really stuck on, and the government shall be on his shoulder. I don't take that as, oh, you know, the government's all in God's hands, and we don't have to do anything. We obviously know better than that. But I just would like to have um, your take on this first, if you don't mind. 
Great question. Let me kind of cue this up a little bit. Uh, and then, Tony, I want your response. Because, folks, some of the people that we have on that I'm sure you'll recognize, like uh, David Barton and Tim Barton and Bill Federer, they have done so much through their research to help us know and appreciate the role that Christianity has played in the structure of, of this nation. Uh, by the way, uh, our, our own nation, um, Alexis de Tocqueville, who in the 1800s, around 1835, wrote a two-volume set, Democracy in America. And uh, Alexis de Tocqueville was a French researcher, and he came to America to really study, travel throughout uh, this country, and write about it. And he, he once famously said this, he said, you ask who is the king in America? I tell you, he reigns above, as in God. Now, back to Isaiah 9-6, which is a prophecy about the coming Messiah, and it's quoted in Luke 2-11, but it says in Isaiah, and by the way, Isaiah was written about 750 years before the birth of Christ, but it says that unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulder. Now, it really means God's administration. Not only he would be the king of the Jews, uh, but he would be the Messiah of the world. And ultimately, now, I'll throw it to Tony in just a minute, but Habakkuk talks about this, the day coming where the knowledge of the Lord covers the earth as the water covers the sea. Isn't that amazing? Revelation 11 says, and this is one day yet to come, and Jesus is prophet, priest, and king, but Revelation 11 says that an angel from heaven shouted, there was a, the sound of the seventh trumpet, and this voice from heaven said, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. So, Tony, ultimately, the government is the kingdom of, of Christ that mm -hmm. will be forever. Um, a, a city not made with hands, but a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Is that ultimately the government of which Isaiah speaks? That, that is ultimately uh, where things are headed. And what we have now in this earth and what we've had for centuries are governments that are designed to be foreshadowings of God's government. But many times, of course, because of sinful people and wrong ideas, they've um, you know, they've struggled and been injurious to people rather than helpful to people. But I look at God's dealings with humanity, and I see that in the book of Genesis, Joseph ended up as the prime minister of Egypt. Daniel mm -hmm. ended up as the prime minister of the Babylonian Empire and the Persian Empire. Nehemiah was a high-ranking government official, on, under the Persian king, and God used his training in that Persian government to come and be an administrative governor here in, um, uh, in Israel for the rebuilding of the destroyed walls. You move into the New Testament, and a character that's not well known, but his name is Erastus, 
and you'll find him referred to at the end of Romans chapter, the book of Romans in chapter 16, and you'll see Erastus referred to in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he is referred to as the city treasurer of uh, the city, ancient city of Corinth. I've been to Corinth, and there is what they call the Erastus stone, where his name is, is engraved uh, on on a, a fairly large stone, and it refers to him in a in a I can't remember the exact government title, uh, but he was one of Paul's traveling companions. So he not only worked in city government in Corinth, but he also was a strong Christian who had traveled with Paul. And so wow. Christians again are our salt and light in the earth. And to go back to something Oral Roberts said many years ago through that university, Oral Roberts University, he said that part of their mission was to train believers. You know, Jesus said, go into all the world. And Oral uh, adapted that a little bit and said, we're going to go into every man's world, into education. Mm nursing into the educational system into uh even government and uh so uh when you talk about uh, as a believer training whether it's to be on a local school board or a city council or planning and zoning uh we need christian people with godly values fun functioning at all levels of society so i'm thankful for what you're training for Amen. Amen. Cynthia, thank you so much. Does that help our, our some of our insights there on Isaiah 9, 6, Christ administration? Does that help? Yes, it does. Thank you so much, both of you. God bless you. God bless you. You know, I love the phrase, on earth as it is in heaven, because here's the thing, um, and Tony, I'd love your thoughts on this. By the way, folks, the number, if you've got a question, it's 719-619-2341, 719-619-2341. A good government, a just government, Augustine, you mentioned, 354 to 430, he lived 1,600 years ago, but he said that a just government is one that's reflective of the character and nature of God. And uh, every, and we know ultimately it's Christ's kingdom that's the permanent forever kingdom. But, you know, I, I love America. And I think the fact that we have thrived for two and a half centuries, now whether or not we're going to thrive much longer is going to be dependent on whether or not this nation turns back to Christ. But um, a, a just government, a righteous government, a beneficial government is the closer we conform to God's truth and God's word and, and moral principles, that's the, that's the secret of a healthy, thriving society, isn't it, Tony? Very much is. And you mentioned the David Barton and his son and how brilliant they are. And I, I don't even hold it big time burnout can our uh, matchstick compared to them. But, you know, they they've done such great research on the moral values of many of the founding fathers. And I've heard all the debates about, well, some of them were deists and that type of thing. And I know David's addressed that far better than I ever could. But regardless of each individual founding father's 
personal relationship with God, they were operating out of Judeo-Christian values. And uh, those, I, I just uh, believe that that's part of what uh, created the foundation for our country to be able to thrive and to make it really a land of opportunity uh, for people to come from all parts of the world and to be a part of that great American experiment. Amen. Hey, I want you to give your website, Tony. Um, and folks, I urge you to read uh, the books written by Tony Cook. I've got several of your books and they are phenomenal. Uh, you're, you're a David Barton in your own right, uh, brother. So give your website and where people can avail themselves to the work you've done. Thank you. It's, it's Tony Cook, T-O-N-Y-C-O-O-K-E dot org. And we'd love for you to visit our site. Is your speaking tour, your calendar on there too, Tony? It is. We have an itinerary on there. Uh, we, the year before COVID, uh, we were on the road 237 days and 93 of those days were out of the country. Um, wow. We're getting ready. I'm going to some countries that are fairly sensitive. I don't want to say them online, but uh, we've got four countries we're going to be visiting here fairly soon. And then we're heading to Africa in the uh, month of November to two different nations. And we've been mm. traveling for 21 years and uh, just absolutely love visiting the churches. I'm in South Dakota right now. I got to go are to Mount Rushmore yesterday and see that great, uh, you know, memento to four of our presidents. And, and uh, so having a good time here in South Dakota, doing some meetings as well. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Black Hills State University. I spoke there about 10 years ago and debated an atheist in front of probably 2,500 or 3,000 students. And uh, so I've got a lot of good memories of ministry there in South Dakota. And uh, you know what I was just thinking? Now, folks, make a note of this, because if it, if it comes to fruition, believe me, we'll promote it. I would love to go to Israel with you, Tony, and mm -hmm. uh, visit a lot of those sites and, and hear you share and lecture. How many times have you been to Israel? Well, I've only been to Israel twice, uh, but the majority of our tours and biblical lectures uh, have been in the nation of Turkey and the nation okay. of Greece. Uh, I've also been to the islands of Crete and Cyprus and Malta. Oh, we've led tours. We've done uh, six, I believe, tours to the biblical sites in modern day Turkey. And a lot of people don't realize that Turkey uh, was Asia minor in the Bible. Uh, modern Turkey is the home of the ancient sites of Ephesus, really all seven of the churches of Revelation, Ephesus, Pergamum, uh, Smyrna, uh, Sardis, Thyatira, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Uh, Modern-day Turkey is where Paul was born, Tarsus. It's where people were right. first Christians, Antioch, uh, Colossae. You mentioned loving the book of Colossians. Turkey is 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 where modern-day, or, or modern-day Turkey is where Colossae was, 
And uh, Turkey is just rich in biblical history. It's where Noah's Ark landed. It's where um, uh, possibly where the Garden of Eden was. Uh, It's just very rich in biblical history. That's where we've done most of our tours and lecturing. Now, uh, Tony, of all the places you just mentioned, is it possible in a 10-day or two-week trip to at least momentarily pop by most of those sites? Yes. Uh, The last tour that we did was 2022, and we did the seven churches of the book of Revelation. And so we did Ephesus and all of those. Colossae is very close to Laodicea. Hierapolis, which is mentioned in the book of Colossians, is very close to Laodicea. And then we also stopped in Miletus, uh, which is where Paul met with the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. And we did all that in about nine or 10 days. And we did an extension over to Cappadocia, which is mentioned in Peter's first epistle. And it's just yeah. east of Galatia. Galatia is also in modern day Turkey, all the Antioch, Pisidia, Lystra, Derby, Iconium. Uh, Paul spent a lot of his missions energy and efforts in the modern-day nation of Turkey. And and he laid a foundation, God did it through Paul's life, but a foundation that's lasted for 20 centuries. And folks, here you and I are today building on that foundation. We're going to go to Bill uh, in Michigan. Bill, thanks for listening to Truth and Liberty, and we welcome your call. Uh, Bill, you're on. Thank you very much, Alex. And uh, by the way, uh, Tony, I did graduate uh, from Rama Bible Training Center in 1990. So God bless you, brother. Um, Thank you. It's good to hear from a former student, one of our alumni. Yes, it was a pleasure to be there, truly was. Uh, Alex, First uh, Timothy tells us, Paul said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. And you notice that he said here first, and I'm wondering in the body of Christ, how many people start their prayers with praying for their leaders, both evil and both uh, godly and good leaders? I don't know how many people do that. Because, you know, Mm. it also says Proverbs 29 uh, two, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people mourn. So I kind of have a question and a comment, and I'll, I'll first make a comment if you don't mind, Alex. Um, sure, sure. The, the, uh, the Bible also tells us, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man or woman sows, that will he also reap. About a year now, God has been giving me a lot of revelation, a lot of teaching uh, concerning praying, and I just kind of wanted to bounce it off you both and see what you think. But um, I have been praying that exact prayer there, that whatever a man sows, that he reaps. And the ungodly in our government, I heard you say earlier, Alex, that we need to be militant, and I really think that that spirit of David needs to come on the church, and we need to stand up because God has given us dominion, and with that dominion, the authority to use his power. And with that, we have authority over these wicked people. So I've been praying, and tell me if this is, tell me what you think here, but 
I have been praying by faith in the name of Jesus that every day, 24-7, these evil people are receiving their reward and their seed that they have sown, either good or bad. I pray for the righteous. I pray for the evil. I do pray that the evil people uh, that are doing these horrible things in our government, that <clears throat> that they will, in the midst of their their Actually, um, Hosea talks about you sow to the wind and you reap the whirlwind. That The whirlwind there in the Hebrew means Red Sea. So I, re, I pray that they receive Red Sea return. And I do pray that they, they reach out to God. But first and foremost, that they receive the seed that they have sown. And I, I just wonder what you think yeah. about that because I know we have to have faith. God honors that. And what's your what's your opinion? And and is it the best way to pray? Well, no, everything you're saying resonates with me, uh, Bill. And Tony, I want you to weigh on, in on this. And folks, let me give you a little homework assignment, if I may. If you would read First Timothy two, uh, really one through six, because as Bill from Michigan says, says that uh, first of all. Uh, supplications, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks be made for all people. Now, supplication is is prayer to God, and that could include requests. That could, I believe, in, to supplicate ourselves before God is pouring out our heart before God. Prayers, the petitions, sometimes we say request. Uh, intercession. Now, intercessory prayer is generally asking God to intervene in a person's life or a circumstance, praise, giving of thanks. Tony, there is something, just parenthetically, folks, hang with me, that we you don't often hear this anymore, but it's called imprecatory prayer. And there are some imprecatory psalms. Now, Tony, I, I realize most people would never hear such a thing preached on nowadays, but there is prayer about God intervening and God's judgment on the life of those that are enemies of the cross, isn't there? Very much. David prayed things like, God, break out their teeth. You know, he prayed some prayers out of great pain, out of great anguish, out of great frustration. And uh, those are the kinds of uh, psalms uh, that you're referring to. Yeah. Now, folks, uh, like Jesus, uh, and I'll read from 1 Timothy 2 there, uh, 4 and 5, God what desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. But Tony, I've got to tell you, when I hear about uh, the lobbyists wanting to uh, lure children into transgenderism and gender reassignment, homosexuality. I hear about sexual immorality being in public school, elementary school curriculum, and then corporate America that just rolls over and plays dead. Look, God knows I wish them no ill. I pray for our president. I pray for leaders. But I pray for moral courage. And did we just lose Alex again? I need to. Okay, very good. Let me pick up where Alex is leaving off, yeah. and hopefully he'll be joining us again. Yeah. One of the things I think of, and Alex, you tell me when you're back. 
Uh, one of yeah. the things I think of is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 9, going back to one of Alex's favorite books of the Bible. He said, Paul wrote, behold the goodness and the severity of God. And as much as I understand this, uh, you know, we see people who are doing things that are harmful and hurtful, and um, we want to always remember that compassion is always God's initial response. Mercy is always God's initial response. Uh, there was a very wicked church leader in the church of Thyatira, and Jesus said, I gave her, this is in Revelation 2, I believe, uh, or 3, Revelation, uh, it's the church of Thyatira. Uh, it, Jesus said, I gave her space to repent, and she repented not. Therefore, and he, he pronounced judgment. And we don't have to be hateful. I'm not saying anybody is. We don't have to be hateful uh, with this idea of judgment. But But when people are consistently rebellious against God, I think God gives everybody opportunities to repent, behold the goodness and the severity of God. And um, Jesus' idea in dealing even with a wicked church leader who is bringing much harm and damage was, uh, I gave her space or opportunity to repent. I think God operates initially with an opportunity for mercy because that's just who God is. He leads with compassion, but eventually there is judgment that comes. Alex, are you back with us? I'm back. Uh, Tony, you are wonderful. I, you've said that so magnificently. And folks, let me just encourage you that we are to pray. We are to stand for truth. We are to stay equipped, and we are to influence others and be salt and light. And, you know, we're almost out of time, but I want to thank you for listening to Truth and Liberty. Folks, I want to leave you with Hebrews 8, 10, and 11, um, because it talks about the fact that there's coming a day uh, when it says God will—, will uh, his kingdom will be established. But now listen to Hebrews 8, 11. In that time, it says, shall not every man teach his neighbor, saying, know the Lord, for then they all will know me from the least to the greatest. But now we are to be saying, know the Lord, because not everybody does know the Lord. So folks, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank our very special guest, Dr. Tony Cook. Go to his website, check out his books, Pray for America. And remember, Jesus is coming soon. As long as we're in this world, let's know him and make him known. May God bless you, and thank you for watching this very special edition of Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.